Thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Well, definitely appreciate that. Appreciate you being back tonight. We'll be in Mark chapter five. You want to head over there? Get ready as we'll jump into the word of God and appreciate the Martinez. And matter of fact, in your favor, where are you at? Brother? Oh, there you are. Yeah. I mean, in your honor, I wore Colorado socks. I know. Look at that. It's pretty, pretty fancy, huh? Yeah, I, I was impressed. I'm just going to tell you right now that I even remembered that. And uh, so good stuff. But uh, are you alive? Amen. You awake? Amen. You will be. If you're not, we'll get you there. It's good stuff. I, I like this story tonight. We are, the preaching is, is going somewhere, in case you're wondering. Um, we started last night. We talked about the value of the soul. Uh, it was very purposeful. And uh, because I believe if we're going to talk about missions and to remind you, this is a missions conference. And because of missions conference, I think uh, as you break it down, you're asking people to give. uh, I think we need to understand why we're giving. And to be quite honest, the value of the soul when you break it down is this priceless, priceless. I mean, it is the greatest value on planet Earth. It lasts for eternity. And so mission starts from that point, understanding what we're doing. Uh, we are helping people find God. And it's the most priceless thing you'll do. Best investment you ever make. And so we start from that foundation. Tonight, I've got a bridge sermon. If you don't know what that is. So we started with this value of the soul. And we're getting to Friday night. Friday night's a way better message. Yeah, you want to come back Friday. But you're already here, so I don't mind telling you that. And uh, so, uh, yeah, that's what you do. You kind of bait people here is what you do. Uh, But this message is that in-between message uh, to get us to Friday. And the in-between message here is we're going to talk about the value of the soul. Tonight, I want to talk about the condition of the soul. And it's interesting, the songs, everything coming together and including the presentation uh, really is bringing to life the condition of the soul. And I'm going to help you with this. So if the value of the soul is priceless, the condition of the soul without Christ is hopeless. Now, don't forget that. It's hopeless. Now, I'm glad it's not hopeless because we have Jesus. Amen? But if you understand that, without Christ, it's hopeless. So the greatest thing we all possess is a soul. The greatest thing on planet Earth is a soul. It's got value. It's important. It's priceless. But then you add this little bitty problem in the middle. And you say, what's that? The condition is so bad. I mean, I'm glad you were presenting tonight. I'm serious. I'm so glad it fits perfectly. Because we look at Boulder and go, man, they're bad. Man, they're bad. Well, we're not so much better. I mean, I realize they're just bold and and in your face about their sins. But I'm telling you, the same sins are happening in liberal because they're happening in Ponca City. You know, I tell you that right now. We're the same size town. We're very similar. We're better, but we're very similar. (laughs) You know, and uh, so you put all that together. And I'm just telling you, those things are happening. I got to deal with that in Ponca City. Not to the level they're going to deal with it, but but I got to deal with it. Why? Sin is sin. And the reality is you can get this mindset. And even though you know the soul is valuable and it's priceless, I mean, I preach it's important. But we can get that attitude, as your pastor said, and man, I'm glad he brought it up, that attitude of, yeah, well, they have choices and they've chosen wrong. Well, can I remind you that that's what they'll continue to do, and so would you, without Christ. The condition of soul, because we have an enemy, Satan, who hates us and hates God's creation, is doing everything he can to blind this world. Everything. And although we see it clearly because we possess Jesus, may I remind you, they don't get it. They don't understand their soul lasts forever and for eternity. They don't understand the condition that they're in and where it's going to take them if they don't find Jesus. They don't get it. That's why we have to go tell them. Amen. Yeah. 
I love the story in Mark chapter 5. And, and I got to tell you this before we even get started into it. Uh, I'm a firm believer of this. This is so important. Do you know how many stories are out there? You know, they tell us, if you read, that uh, Jesus was on planet Earth about 33 and a half years. And the Bible says, if you just even take his ministry, there's not enough books to contain what he did, what took place, and you could condense that to three and a half years. That's mind-blowing. Yeah. Okay, we've got about 6,000 years now. And you think in that time, and you back it up 2,000 from when the Bible's written, you got 4,000 years. And God's given us 66 books. And of all the stories out there, don't miss this, he put these stories in there. Now, now think about that. I mean, if every story out there that he could choose from, he said, these stories that I put in the Bible, they're important. As a matter of fact, they ought to resonate to you that the God of creation said, I want this story that's true, that's real, to be printed forever. Woo! Well, that's big. Every time you read a story, you shouldn't take it lightly. You should, should imagine, wow, if God chose this one, it has a point that I need to get. I mean, it's got a point. What's interesting about this one, he's going to go to the Gadarenes, one of my favorite stories, because there's crazy people involved. I love it. You know, every church has crazy people, right? You guys know that, right? Now, you have crazy people here. If you don't know who they are. It's you. I hate to tell you that, but yeah, if you, if I said crazy people, you're like, hey, I don't think we have any. Oh, that's bad news. Yeah, it's you. I'm going to tell you right now. No, there's always crazy people. They're at different levels, but we have, churches attract crazy people. We have them in our church and I don't want them to leave because then more come. I like the crazies we have. Praise Jesus. I know what they're like. You know, I've, I've adjusted, but I mean, that's the way it is. And we're getting ready to read about a crazy story, but here's the thing. God's going to the Gadarenes. Are you ready? Going to be totally rejected. And he goes anyways. Are you aware of this? Don't forget, he's God. So when he goes in there, it's not like it's like, they're not going to accept me. What's going on here? Who knew? Of course he knew. And he's going in there. Are you ready? After one man. And we're going to read what man it is. And it's not the man I would have went in after. If I'm going in to save somebody, he is not on the top of my list. To be quite honest, he's not on my list. He's not on my list. I'm just going to be honest with you. He's not the one I'm saving. Especially when I know when it's all done, the city's kicking me out. I would have saved somebody else. But Jesus is going to give us a very important message today. A bridge for this, for this missions conference that we all need. Stand with me as we look at Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Beautiful story. If you have kids, I'm pretty much guaranteeing they'll have nightmares when I'm done. <coughs> You're welcome. <coughs> uh, I'm going to Ponca City on Monday, so it's okay. And uh, your pastor has a lot of counseling to do. And uh, praise Jesus. Verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. Don't miss that. Often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, those are key words. So often in verse 4, always in verse 5, night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. 
For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the Bible says in verse 13, The unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine, herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And the Bible says, they that fed the swine fled, you think? And told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. And he had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Can I do a dad joke? Right mind? Must have been a Baptist. Okay, anyways. Uh, it's old, but it's dad joke stuff. I'm going to tell you right now. And they were afraid. So he's sitting and clothed in his right mind. They were afraid. And they, and they that saw it told them how it befell to him that he was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he had been possessed with the devil, prayed him that he might be with him. And Jesus said, come with me, my son. Thou may go with me, because I lovest thee the greatest. And, oh, wrong version. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, the other version says, How be as Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he, Jesus, departed and left him. Wow. A lot to look at. Lord, we come to now. May you be with us tonight. Open up our hearts and minds to receive this truth that you want from us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Maybe seated. Wow. What a story. Woo. Lot to unpack. We'll do it quickly for you and easily. But we've got a lunatic, a crazy man. Uh, he's a possessed man. I don't know everything about his background. I won't try to uh, interpose stuff into his life. I'm married or not. I do not know. Uh, most likely was married, may have had children. I don't know. But at some point in his life, he becomes demon possessed. The Bible does not tell us when, how that took place. It, did, it took place. But the fact of the matter is, when that happened, he didn't get a demon. He got many, the Bible says, the legion. Now, I don't have time to preach about uh, demon possession today. I'm just going to help you. It's real. If you step outside of America, everyone gets that. We don't get it because we're educated. We call it everything but demon possession. But I'll help you real quick. The Bible says it happened back then. It happens today. Why? Because demons are real. The devil is real. And he's out for the souls of men, women, boys and girls. It's that simple. And you get into foreign mission fields and you often see it very clearly. I've talked to many a missionary that will not mention it publicly because quite honestly in America, we can't handle it. I mean, no, we can't handle it. We can't handle the stories. We get afraid and scared, even though we have power over them. Because why? We possess Jesus Christ. And we read a story like this and we like to kind of gloss over it real quick. But the fact of the matter is here was his problem. Satan had taken control of him and there was many and the Bible says when Jesus came off the ship, the man ran to him and began to talk. And I want you to understand something in the conversation. It wasn't the man talking. I don't know if you caught that. Oh, he's talking. But it's the demons talking from inside of him. So when Jesus addresses him, he addresses the demons. He says, how many are you? And he says, legion, for we are many. And they began to beg him because they understand his power not to get rid of us. And so he allows them to go into the swine. And as the story begins to develop, you see that. 
But even before we get there, I'm amazed at what took place. Look at the beginning at how the people treated him. Here's a man they had no answer for. When we go back to the beginning of the reading, you need to see, and I pointed it out when we first began to read it in chapter 5. And the Bible says in verse 4, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. In other words, this wasn't a one-time thing. In other words, the people said, we don't know what to do with them. We have no answers. We have no hope. So they would tie him outside. They would chain him outside and they just let him go out into the tombs. That's where he roamed. Now, listen, I've worked with teenagers for years. Let me tell you how this worked, okay? Uh, You're going to have a crazy man out there. So, you know, when you're growing up, you used to play silly little games. You take somebody out into the country and play, what was it, snipe? Yeah, you're shaking your head. You know why? Because you're wicked. (laughs) You all used to do this, you know, and going to play a little trick and so forth. I mean, don't, people are the same. You just call it different names. So I can imagine as long as this guy's been tied up out there and people up at the high school, and they're going, you want to have some fun on Saturday night? Yeah, what are we going to do? We're going to go outside for a little bit. We're going to go on a little trip. And they take the newbie, the junior high guy. <laughs> just came to high school. And they get in the truck. Oh, I'm sorry, the camel. And they go up and they get off. They begin making their way up. And, and all of a sudden they see the crazy man. And maybe he's sitting there and he's doing that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and maybe they start throwing rocks and stuff and everyone takes off and here comes the crazy man and that poor junior high guy, well, he has nightmares for the rest of his life. Okay, I'm just telling you, I know young people and I don't know if that ever happened, but I can tell you, I imagine it did. I imagine he's been attacked, he's been teased, he's been mocked, he's been chained up because nobody had an answer. Nobody had an answer. Kind of reminds me of today. You know how many requests I get today? From people in our church, they've gotten saved, they're coming and got saved later in life. Had a lady ask me Sunday. She's got a teenage boy. She's like, we have no idea what to do with him. They've taken him into the school and to counselors and to get help. And the answer for everybody is, we'll give him some drugs. Uh, we'll try to talk to him and give him some nice worldly counsel of just be yourself and explore and whatever. And he's rebellious and he's out of control. And I'm going to tell you what the problem is. He needs Jesus. And the world doesn't know what to do. And we've got another young girl in our church the exact same way. And her parents love her. They're trying to guide her. And she's, she was born with the fetal alcohol. And, and I mean, she just has episodes. And, and again, they've taken her doctors and places. And she'll get so out of control, they have to call the police just to calm her down. And, and when they try to take her somewhere, the hospitals and stuff say, we don't know what to do with her. And they literally just send her home. And she's about 12, 13 years old, totally out of control. And there's no answer. In other words, can I tell you something? The world has no answers. They want to tie us up, give you some medicine, send you up to the mountain, say, good luck. Why? Because they don't know what to do. And I look at something like this. and I'm telling you as a pastor, I see it all the time. I see a world that is a mess. This guy's a lunatic. He's crazy. He doesn't have a job. We don't know anything about his family. If he does have a family, can you imagine the pain? Daddy's up in the mountains. He's a local lunatic. I mean, try going to school with that on your back. I mean, kids are kind, so I'm sure it'll be fine, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so now the family has to suffer. And back then they didn't have welfare. Now, stop and think about this. How's the wife making it? How's the kids making it? Unimaginable thoughts would be there. I'll just help you real quick. Of what they'll have to do just to survive. They may be sold into slavery just to survive. And this is the light. This is the picture I want you to see. And here's this lunatic. And he's there. And here's Jesus coming. And Mary reminded me, why is he there? Why is he there? One soul. One soul. It's a lunatic man that nobody had an answer for. He literally gets off the boat. And the guy comes. 
He cast the demons out. Man, I love that. Can I remind you real quick? This is free tonight. Greater is he that's in us than he is in the yes. world. Amen. What in the world are we afraid of? Yeah. We have the power of God. I, I don't understand why we're going to live in fear. Mm. Folks, the day is going to get darker and worse. Right. But can I help you? <laughs> we got Jesus. Amen. Amen. I, I don't know how many of you watch the Avengers. It's a great segue. Trust me, this is so good. One of my favorite parts, I couldn't tell you which movie it is because I really don't care. Uh, but uh, whatever one it is, you know, I don't really pay that much attention. But they had a line there and they're fighting the bad guys. And one of the guys says, we got this. The other guy goes, yeah, but we got a Hulk. And I perk up and went, I like that. Then the big green guy shows up, beats everybody up. I'm like, I need a Hulk. I'm going to get one in the church. I need a Hulk. But I remember thinking about that. Can I help you with that? And that's cool. That's neat. But even after that, I remember thinking in my mind, yeah, but uh, we got Jesus. Yeah. I mean, the world even says, hey, we got this, in, I mean, it's the most powerful being on planet Earth. I'm like, we have God. Yeah. Are you kidding? I mean, seriously, what are we afraid of? We're, we're afraid of people that are messed up. And, and I get it. We walk out there and they're tattooed up with weird hair because I don't know what they did. And uh, I, I mean, really, and they, their eyes look weird and, you know, they got all the kinds of things coming on and we want to avoid them and stay away from them. I get it. Nobody wants to be around that. But can I tell you, we got to start looking at them different. You think that man wanted to be up there? You think he wanted the demons inside of him? You don't think he did everything he could to get rid of them? You bet he probably did. But the world, no wait, the world has no answers. None. We're living in a world that lives in bondage. Galatians chapter four and five tells us about the bondage of this world. Can I remind you when you're in sin? It was nothing but chains. You were addicted to your alcohol. Some of you love your kids. Some of you lost your kids. Had to get them back later because of drug addiction. And if you talk to those individuals, it's not because they hated their kids. The bondage of the world is strong. The bondage of the world is strong, folks. And people get addicted to things. They get caught up in things. I'm going to tell you why. They need Jesus. It's hopeless out there. And I love this picture. I love this picture for this reason. Jesus is giving us a picture of not just Boulder, Colorado, but Ponca City, Oklahoma, liberal Kansas. When you walk outside of these doors, I'll remind you of something. There's a world that's dying out there. And the condition of them is this. They have no hope. If you look at your bulletin that was passed out on the very first night, it says something about hope. Yeah, your whole theme is hope. Can I tell you why? Because the hope of missions is you. The hope of missions of believers around the world. People won't look at these people and be afraid of them and scared of them and look at them in this weird way like, you're just wacko, man. Stay away from me. But we'll look at them and say, no, wait a minute. But if it wasn't for God, I could be that person. My family could be that person. Uh, I did not grow up uh, in a Christian family. Uh, I grew up, matter of fact, my biological father left me when I was about one and a half. And uh, he um, got drunk and... Um, was in a car wreck, so we're talking 50, 60 years ago, long time ago, and uh, was in a car wreck and killed his best friend. And it messed with him. He went in for the next couple of years, he began drinking more, he became very immoral. Uh, the final line was really bad. Uh, he brought his girlfriend home and asked my mom to cook breakfast. Uh, that never goes over good, in case you're wondering. 
Yeah, it's, it's not a good story. And uh, interesting, uh, they broke up after that. I know it's shocking, but that is what happened. And, um, and they kind of went on from there. A couple years later, my dad enters my life. My dad's a Marine, and he wasn't saved. That was fun. And uh, anyways, so yeah, it wasn't fun. Um, discipline was, um, and I had it easy compared to people, but dad was like, he'd kick you across the floor. I mean, he, whatever he hit, he just hit, and it was no big deal. You know, that, that's, that's the life we just lived. So there was drinking. There was all that kind of stuff taking place. And um, so we lived that life. But one day it changed. We were in San Diego, California. And a friend of his at work and invited us to church. And uh, I tell you what happened. My dad got tired of him inviting him. And he says, if I go one time, will you leave me alone? And it was the old, yeah, so the old thing, yeah, sure. So we went. And uh, we went and the pastor decided to come make a home visit. And so we set up an appointment. It was like one in the afternoon. And my dad and I, we like to play basketball. So like I said, I was about 11 then. So we went out and played basketball that morning. And I think it was a Saturday. And we came back. And my dad, he got the beer belly sitting there with beer cans all around, no shirt on. And he's like, man, I'm going to take a shower and get out of here before the preacher shows up. That preacher showed up two hours early. <laughs> Guy couldn't even, he couldn't even tell time. Can you believe it? So I remember going to the door and turning around and, hey, dad, it's the preacher. I went back to my room. I'm like, this will be fun. <laughs> you know, so he comes in, your dad's sitting there, you know, and the preacher's like, nah, no big deal to me. Opens up the word of God and uh, my dad accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. It literally changed our family. I mean, changed our family. From that point on, we began to go to church. Matter of fact, the couple that brought us to church dropped out six months later, never seen them again. Never seen them again. They got back, I guess, into the bondage of this world and forgot what it was like. And I thought about that and I thought about, man, my dad was a ruffian. Our family was rough. Now, we weren't like, I mean, there's people with horrible stories. Mine wasn't that bad, I'm going to be honest with you. So we come from a broken family and then a family that you know, drinks and a little bit of abusive stuff, nothing serious, you know, and everything like that. And we come from that. But I mean, we're going down a road where mom and dad would divorce and I'd be once again without a dad. I mean, we're heading there. It's a pretty easy story, folks. I mean, you know what's going to happen. But all of a sudden, one day, something changed. And somebody at work said, being afraid of my dad, said, hey, why don't you come to church? Amen. I mean, it just invited him. So there's this ruffian, you know, ex-Marine, you know, tough guy, you know, with that persona and always had that, hey, don't mess with me persona. Invited him to church and we went. I got to tell you, this hopeless situation, are you ready? Now became hopeful. Amen. Everything changed in our life. No, seriously, everyone in our family got saved. My brothers, my sister, mom, everybody got saved. Started going to church. And really the legacy from that now, everybody being in church, everybody getting saved, everybody serving God. And the amount of money given to missions, the amount of time spent sharing our faith and serving God. I'm just, it's mind-boggling to me. I can't even get it out. I mean, he so said, it's crazy. But I look back and think, what if somebody doesn't get on a boat and go across the river and come into a home that nobody else wanted to come into and say, you need Jesus. They had no idea I'd become a preacher. My dad became a preacher. Had no idea. And what was hopeless suddenly became hopeful. And I know it was hopeless because I ran to my biological father years ago later. Got a call from an aunt never heard of before. Aunt gave me a phone call and my uh, dad had passed away. I tried to contact him when I was in Bible college. So I was about 17 and I sent him a letter uh, trying to contact him. And um, 
found his address I got on one of the big GE machines that could find anybody. And the guy's like, hey, I can find anybody. You want to find anybody? I go, sure. So I said, how about Warren Waterloo? He says, no problem. Came into work the next day. He goes, got it. Gave me the address. Wrote up the plan of salvation, sent it to him. He never wrote back. And uh, now I'm going to tell you, there's no bitterness there. I'm going to help you real quick. Some people go through that and get bitter. I'm not bitter. I never knew him. I didn't. Plus, I looked at what God gave me. What a wonderful family and salvation. Because I got there and I went in, went to the funeral because my sister wanted to go. And so it's a long story, but I'll make it short. And I showed up. That side of the family is not saved. My aunt's a Catholic. So she picks me up at the airport and she goes, So, Johnny, only she calls me Johnny in case you're wondering. <laughs> and uh, so I call her by her name, yes, aunt so and so. And she goes, Hey, Johnny, so what do you do for a living? Hallelujah. <laughs> we had a 45 minute wait. I went, Well, I'm a preacher. Really? What kind? I'm like, man, tee it up, baby, tee it up. I spent 45 minutes, gave her the plan of salvation, man. And she didn't get saved right there, but she listened intently. And I'm like, this is great. But I remember going to my biological funerals, uh, my biological father's funeral. And the guy walked in, that was a friend of his. And he looked at me and goes, oh, my. He goes, I never knew he had a son. My dad never talked about us. He literally walked away and totally forgot about us. And when I was life. During the eight-hour service, because they kind of have a wake there up in Chicago, uh, they were going up to his apartment that was down the street drinking all of his beer. And they brought it in to celebrate his life. And I began to sit there and watch. And again, I'm not mad, not angry, but I'm watching this and I realize that would have been my life. But for the grace of God, I would have been an alcoholic, womanizing, wicked individual, but for the grace of God. But God showed up, amen? God saw a Marine, a pretty rugged guy, and said, let's go reach him. And I tell you that because I'm looking at this story, and we look at it, he's a lunatic, and he's crazy, and of course he gets saved, and he's in the right mind, he's sitting there clothed, and everything's good, and there's a lot of applications there, I get all that. But he's sitting there, but I want you to see this point. The whole town's people come out because of the swine. And they're ready, and they're scared to death. I mean, these demons just went in the swine, killed them. I'd come out going, wow, I want to be on his side. You know what I'm saying? If he can can cast out demons and get rid of them, I'm your friend. But they came out and said, hey, hey, get out of our town. And again, Jesus knew this was coming. As he's talking to the man, you go to the inn there, as we read. And he's talking to him, and the man gets saved. And Jesus turns around to go back in the boat. And the man says, hey, can I go with you? You think? Can I remind you what these people did to him? They chained him with, fet- with fetters uh, and chains and they tied him up and they put him up in the mountain. Uh, they made fun of him. They attacked him. They had no help for him. And now that he's saved, what are they going to do for him? Not a thing. And they're kicking out the guy who changed his life. Mm. If I'm Jesus, I'm going to tell you what I say. Hop in, buddy. This town doesn't deserve me. Yeah. Why didn't he? Ah. Uh, the value of a soul. The value of a soul. And he saw those people who were afraid and scared and ignorant. And he looks down. He has to make a choice right away. And he can say, you come with me. And I'll take you where there's peace and you'll grow and you'll be fine. And instead he says, no, you stay here with no church. No Bible. No friends. No Christian help. Are you with me? There's no Bible study. There's no prayer partner. There's no texting of praying for you today. Are you with me? 
And the guy's like, no, 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 I, I want to go with you. No, no, you stay. And you read that and go, how mean, how, how mean? No, 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 you're missing the point. So you're thinking about that man again. Jesus wasn't thinking about him anymore. That man saved. Who's he thinking about? The people kicking him out. If you go back to the verse, take a look at it real quick. Go all the way down in Mark chapter 5. And you take a look at it. I, I, we read it, but I don't want you to miss this. It's such an important part. In Mark chapter 5, you jump on back. In verse 19, and how be Jesus suffered him not, would not let him go. He says, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. He says, hey, no, no, no. See, it's not about you anymore. You're saved. That's great. Now just go tell them what God did for you. Again, he has no Bible. He doesn't get to come three, four times a week and hear a great pastor preach you and open up the word of God and teach you great things. He doesn't get that, folks. He's got one story. I was a lunatic. I was wicked. I was messed up. Nobody liked me. Jesus saved me. And that was my sermon. And that's what I do. I just go tell everybody. Tell them what? What happened? Right. So he told a story. And could you imagine? And we don't know all that's taking place. But could you imagine as Jesus comes back through that area? Mm-hmm, I bet you can. Guess what? Now they're waiting for him. Why? Now they're excited for him. Why? They just saw a changed man that changed his life. Why? Because Jesus came in. And what was hopeless is now hopeful. And what was dead and gone is now priceless. Why? Because his soul is saved. Yeah. How many people did he reach? And that man that was nothing in that community, are you ready? He became the greatest man in the community. Whether they realize it or not, in eternity they will. Because that man who had nothing to offer gave them what they needed. Jesus. Do you know what our missionaries do? They go to places we won't go. They go to places I don't want to go. I don't. I don't. But they do. Right. I don't want to go to Boulder. I'm not interested in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not that I don't care about people. I don't have a bird to go there, so guess what? I'm not going. But somebody has to. That's right. And you're probably not going because you live in Liberal. So what do we do? If a soul of any kind, in any condition, is so priceless, because it just needs to be redeemed, we have to take missions more seriously. Because although you can't go, you can send someone to go. Because they remind you, we're no better than they are. And the worst person you can think about, but for the grace of God, would be us. And I'm only standing before you today as a preacher because God saved me and changed my life. Or I'd be a drunk and maybe dead in Chicago or somewhere in San Diego. It's a reality. He gave me the gift to preach and ability to speak. That's not mine. That's not mine. No. I was an introvert kid. You'll never believe that. And I got you. Introvert kid that would not talk to anybody. Four foot eleven. All the way through high school. That's a little difficult. Now, four foot, it's a little difficult. When I finally made five foot one, it was great. Still can't dunk, but it was good. And I remember when God says, you're going to preach. I'm like, I, yeah, I don't think there's a, you need somebody else. You say, why? It's not about us, folks. We're no more qualified than that lunatic. But God used him. And all he had to do was go 
be willing to tell what God did for him. Can I challenge you here in liberal, in a practical way? Go. Tell the worst among you what God did for you. And God can do something great. But please don't stop there. There's gatherings all over the place. It says you can't go, we must give so others can. And we must partner with people. Because the world is hopeless. The world is hopeless until we interject Jesus Christ. Because we got Jesus, amen? Amen. And when you interject that, it changes everything. And so tonight is a, a bridge sermon. We'll get to the conclusion tomorrow. But until you understand the value of the soul that's priceless, until you understand they're not going to get there on their own. You get it? If Jesus doesn't show up, get off the boat, go to him and he come to him and save him, we don't have this story. In other words, they're just not going to click. You and I have got to intersect with them here and around the world because it's hopeless until they meet Jesus. And we have to go to dark places and out of dark places could become some of the greatest ministers, evangelists, deacons, church members the world has ever seen. But until you understand the price of a soul and the condition of the soul, we can't even get to tomorrow night. So tonight, let's just soak in this. God loves souls and souls need God. When those two connect, some great things happen. Let's stand.